a lot of people live in denial because they think that to be realistic is to be depressing. I'm Dr. Mike, host of Going There. It was the first song where I wrote about how I felt like my depression was killing me and I didn't want it. Going There breaks the stigma of mental health issues by having real honest conversations with your favorite musicians, including Alessia Cara, Lizzie Hale, Jewel, Jason Isbell, Gerard Way, Lauren Gray, Shamir, and Barty Strange. There was something there that was so raw where I was like, wow, I can't believe someone would say that. Let's go there on Going There with Dr. Mike, brought to you by Sound Mind Live and the Consequence Podcast Network every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year, that matter. Yay. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corner. Oh, the romance of electronic dance music. I feel like I'm relaxing on a boat. Lean back. This is essentially Jimmy Buffett for me. I I have a prediction. Okay. Right. I was listening this morning to some of the acts on the lineup. Okay. I think you will be pleasantly surprised. I think there are actually some acts that fit that bill more than you think. Fit Jimmy Buffett? Not I'm quite in. that level. Oh, okay. But relaxing, atmospheric, uh, psychedelic, What? a lot more atmospheric than, uh, again, we're going to talk about it during the show, yeah. but this future base idea it's not the bass drop okay. that bass nectar, you know, look, punches you right. Look, in the chest. all I care about is it's if some of that. All I care about is every ten or twenty seconds, I hear. <laughs> That's all I care about. It's not as much as that. Some acts right. like Flume and uh, Seven Lions and even Rez. I think I, I don't. I'm not going to predict you're going to spend a lot of time over at yeah. the other, but I have a feeling you hey, might do a walk by. The old man you. always said it takes all kinds. Yeah, it takes exactly all kinds. Right. Welcome to the What Podcast. A podcast for Bonnaroovians by Bonnaroovians. I'm Brad. That's Barry, your Bonnaroovians, uh, taking you through EDM this week. Uh, hopefully we can uh, really dissect this because as a Bonnaroo guy, EDM never really my thing. And uh, we luckily have an EDM expert on the phone with us today. We have threatened and been threatened to do this for three years, yeah. uh, to go step outside of our, our comfort zones sure. and um, and do this and that trip to Knoxville with Ted and, and Brian and Steve, you know, they said, why don't you get the guys who book the other? Well, you and, know, and the, and Sophie from, uh, uh that, that does the uh, experiences out in the plaza. They said, call them. It's a star studded lineup today. So we've got two people on the show today that uh, curate part of your Bonnaroo experience. Sophie, who uh, is sort of over all of the plazas and the campground experiences. And then you've got Bobby, Bob, Robert, the doctor, who is over all of the electronic dance music at the other. And again, it's not something that we have paid much attention to on this show in the past two years, uh, to our detriment, but also we just don't know usually what we're talking about. You sure. being a much bigger EDM fan than I, though. 
which is a low bar because you're right. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> I don't get off the ground. No, and I've said many times, and and I am serious. I really do like bass nectar. I like girl talk. There's a couple others. I do really like girl talk. I mean, I don't know how you can not have fun in a girl talk. Yeah, show. it's clever. Uh, it's a. It's not just whatever it's it's a show i like look i like these guys when when the samples are things that i know and that's the fun part that's the real fun part. oh i know that i know that that's yeah from, that's yeah that's the fun part and he's very good at it and stitches it all together into a, a way that makes some some sense mm-hmm. and i think some of the acts that 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 are going to be on the lineup this year are going to fit some of that bill they don't sound like girl talk but they it's music. I got it's, you. It's a it's a it's a well constructed song. I'm really excited way. about this. This the conversation is uh, really really thoughtful, and I and man, these people. How can we say enough about the amount of time that they spend with us? We are not that interesting. <laughs> I mean, our questions are just dumb guys asking ridiculous, Hi, how'd you book this? Yeah, but, but yet they spend so much time with us. It's really remarkable. It, it is remarkable, and and. Uh, you know, they just said, yeah, we'll be happy to do it. And they made it work and gave up so much time. I mean, these are busy people. Yeah, very um, busy. We're going to, a couple of things that, and, and we'll recap it after we listen. But, uh, you know, to hear Steve and Brian a couple of weeks ago say how focused they are when they book an act. They already know where and when yeah. and that. And then to hear Sophie say, nah, I kind of, yeah. I got to, got to take what they, they hand me and yeah, make you'll, it work. You'll, you'll understand that here in a second. But first, let's uh, thank some Patreons. By the way, the Patreons, so supportive, so amazing. Jason Hazelbaker, Chloe Howell, Lucy Young, Phil Hanley, Dan Sweeney, Dustin Garrig, Chelsea Davis, Frank Swanson, Linda Doles, David Grimes, Leslie Condor, and that ever so evasive Ella. Ella. Uh, more Patreons to thank here in a second. But let's get into it with Sophie. And Bobby from C3, who curate parts of your Bonnaroo experience on the What Podcast. Amazing, Hello. Amazing. Look, look at this group. What is the fine group doing? that we've uh, uh, assembled this afternoon? How's this? How's this happening? <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, this is great. Thank you guys so much for doing this. This uh, absolutely. I think Pleasure I'm as excited about this one as I am any of them. Brian. Well, you are <laughs> our resident EDM guy, <laughs> so right. of all the people that was in, be into in, uh, EDM music, it'd be Barry Quarter. You guys, you, you can't see me from where you are, but just looking at me tells it just screams the EDM. whole story. Just yes. screams EDM. <laughs> yeah, sure it does. Well, good. I think we're in good company then. <laughs> and, and Sophie, you're here to talk to us about uh, the uh, experiences out in the plaza. So, yeah, Sophie, you do. When did you start doing uh, the plaza work? Uh, because you know these are relatively new, uh, but I'm sure they've been long into planning stages for years, haven't they? Um, yes and no. I think we came in um, a little late, so I'm actually you uh, see one of the talent buyers on the festival when C3 got involved um and then while i was doing that they kind of tried to do some stuff out in the campgrounds um and kind of came to us and were like can you you know find artists that will play out there which kind of then segued into this new role i have um but the plazas probably really kind of became what they are in their entirety last year the year before that we kind of just built the structures and we're trying to figure out what's what and then last year we kind of brought in individual producers and uh, a lot more programming than we've had before I have a feeling we're going to jump all over the place with with you guys, but in talking with Steve and Brian a couple of three weeks ago about how they booked the entire festival, for you guys, mm-hmm. you both sort of come in 
midstream or downstream, I guess. I mean, everything was was well go was well going, but uh, was there sort of a sense of you can do whatever you wanted to do, or was it a, more of a hard sell type of thing? I guess. In in terms of the plaza specifically, yeah, you said reaching out to p- people and and trying to tell them what you wanted to do um had had the festival did it have enough cachet i guess that it was a pretty easy sell or was it a hard sell i mean yeah it's it's, it's it was definitely a pretty easy to sell in the sense that i would say that bonnaroo is probably um you know a little late into uh activating the campgrounds it just wasn't something that they'd ever done before obviously you know festivals in europe um and a couple of others over here that have you know camping a huge camping aspect definitely you know try and activate out there and i think we it took us a while to kind of figure out how to do that and obviously bonner is so huge so making sure that we can really tailor to you know our audience and that we hit kind of each group so it's easy in that sense what's difficult is trying to i think get people to understand this new way of programming and activations and how it works out there that's different from the standard kind of center route structure that they um, are aware of and also for us it's again it's like you know we have a huge audience so trying to figure out how much programming we can have and that we have enough and then making sure that what we have doesn't clash and that it kind of curtails to what everyone else wants to do out there which is obviously everything and anything so and to double back um, on what what barry was asking do mm-hmm. do they give you sort of like an outline as to what they're going for and you sort of have to to fit those i uh, make those ideas happen or can do you get pretty much free reign on over the whole thing it's a little bit of both um so i'm still on the booking team so i'm still fully in the loop with you know the the lineup and what everyone's doing and so as and when we can plug and play from the lineup we do that but in terms of what we do out there as long as i'm not you know doing anything that's offensive i can do pretty much do whatever i want (laughs) where's that line no kidding (laughs) (laughs) i mean right so i mean we're super lucky with bonnaroo that it's a very um free and open festival which is really exciting for us because it means that we kind of you know have an audience that is open to a lot of different things and so that's great for us um but it's obviously you know huge so we have to figure out bring that in and so i can't go too crazy so it's <laughs> figuring out kind of how we do that and then you know the people that want to sleep we make sure that we're not offending them by having anything too late but then the people that want to still stay up that we can figure out that part too so it's it's a lot of different and, aspects and for anybody that hasn't ever been to bonnaroo the thing that is is remarkable is a couple of years ago five years ago or so these things didn't exist so now you have something to do uh, pretty much all all day and all night and it becomes in and of itself its own its own festival its own individual thing which um i i gotta imagine can end up getting a little pricey uh at what point do you start saying ah we're just out of money <laughs> we've given you enough. Go ahead, <laughs> at the beginning fun. that's me <laughs> about six months ago <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> because you guys really um, spare no expense and the reason i ask that like you go to the the house of love right uh, a couple of years ago the, the place has done phenomenally well you guys do not it doesn't feel like you miss a detail and it, it what i've always loved about bonnaroo is that when you go to the user experience inside the festival you can't really find a place where they've missed a a, a tiny detail and you guys really pay attention to those outside uh, into the, the the festival grounds or into the campgrounds and i gotta imagine at some point you're like well how can we just do this for free right how can we just arts and crafts our way to making this work and uh, that to me requires an amount of energy bodies human beings hands creativity that you know can't all be done with you know just you know 
three or four people, right? So, I mean, totally. It's it's definitely a heavy lift. Um, we're very lucky that the Palombine team, team, including Bobby, has some really, really awesome relationships. And so it's a balance, right? Like, obviously, we have a budget, but then we have a huge plethora of artists that are already playing the festival that hopefully, because Bonner is a little out of the way, a lot of them are sticking around for the weekend and see these opportunities as something exciting and different and a great marketing moment for them. And so it's a little bit of both. It's working with Bobby and their team to figure out how we can use their relationships and people, you know, artists on site that are reaching out to them that might want to do something different or are like, hey, we're going to be there all weekend. Is there a way to get a little bit of extra cash? Um, and then obviously some of it is just is just kind of going for the big ones and just seeing if we can figure out a way to get them to understand what it is and do something different than what they're normally used to doing. I want to come back. Um, Sophie to to the plazas and all of that, but I want to ask Bob some of the same questions. Is it Bobby or Bobby? Which do you prefer? Oh, either one's fine. Bobby's fine. Okay, you got it, Robert. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, I want to ask this sort of the same question because uh, I think these two things, the the events, the experiences in the plazas and the other stage and the EDM um, are two of the bigger changes that we've seen in the last four, five, six years. It's really thrown a, a breath of fresh air into the whole made festival. a huge right? difference, and that's what I want to come back to. But I want to like, let's get caught up with uh, Bobby and the and the EDM stages. What was what was your charge? What was the mission that they said go do this and do it? Well, for, like Brad said, for for free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm sure they well, didn't. You know, it's it's interesting because some of the most legendary and most talked about sets out of Bonnaroo in the last 10 years have been those from the electronic acts, you know, Pretty Lights, you know, until six in the morning, um, Dead Mouse late night, uh, Bass Lector late night. You know, some of those sets are 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 categorized as the most legendary performances of, of the history of Bonnaroo. Um, so it was only natural to to kind of give that space its own area within Cineru. Um And the first three years of of the of booking this stage, it was it was very much an experiment, um, trying to figure out what the Bonnaroo audience was interested in, and we didn't want to just assume that everyone liked the same thing. Um, so we booked a little bit of everything. Um, you know, we booked the first year probably, you know, uh, an act out of every single subgenre that we possibly could to take, you know, take the 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 crowd's temperature. Um, but this year, I feel like we we really zeroed in, um, and it takes a lot of of communication and working in tandem with Brian and 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 Stephen and and Sophie to really present a a coherent offering. Um, you know, we can't do what we do without communication. So, um, you know, I need to know what's going on on the other side of the park, just as much as Brian and Steve need to know what's going on with the other stage. So it's all, it's all one unit moving towards the same goal. So I'm not over there just booking on an Island. We're all communicating. Okay. This, this act is playing at seven o'clock. What would be a nice counter program to that? Okay. Let's book that over here. Um, you know, so we're constantly working together to try to present a, a really unique experience day to day out there. You said that it's something interesting just now that you the first year that you just sort of like were experimenting and taking the the, the temperature of the audience. What did you learn that first year? I learned um, that you 
it's nice to try to check as many boxes as you possibly can, but it's also it's also um, it's hard to gather information that way. And um, you know, we in what booked, way? So, say when you say gather information, what information are you looking to gather? You know, trying to create a a a vibe that grows throughout the day, right? And, and not trying to to have or try to produce the same amount of energy at four o'clock that you would at midnight. So trying to create a gradual build into energy and, and uh, stage performance to where it culminates to an apex at the end of the night. Right. Um, because we all know it's, it, it can be excruciatingly hot out there. So trying to expect a four o'clock crowd to, to have the same energy as the 11 o'clock crowd is, is difficult to do. Um, so these days we're trying to trying to produce a more gradual build to the end of the night um, instead of, of having um, everyone that could be deemed, um, you know, super high energy in their respective subgenre of electronic music uh, playing, you know, every step of the day. So right now we're just taking a little bit more caution and a little bit more time um, and curation into booking the other stage versus um, figuring, you know, go grab everyone that we possibly can and let's see what works. So um, right now we're, you know, we're really trying to, to curate the experience over there. And especially now um, that, that, that we're going later. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Bonnaroo is now on what feels like a 20 hour programming schedule. Um, you know, so we're taking all that into effect or all that into account rather. Well, I think that's, I mean, Brad and I, we were joking when we we first came on about, you know, me being maybe the EDM guy and him not. I have a few that I like. I like Bass Nectar. I like Girl Talk quite a bit. I like it, probably, fair to say, more than you, Brad. Is that? Yeah, the word would be fair. That's fair. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and so to hear you say that, I'm, I can already hear in Brad's head, what do you mean, subgenres? What do you mean? It's not- I was I was not going to ask that, but I've been thinking it the entire time. Sure. I didn't want to sound like a fool. Sure. And I was listening earlier this morning to the, some of the bands on the lineup, and I, I, learned, I learned a new phrase, future bass. I'd never heard that before. Right. Uh, that's a new <laughs> genre that Flume... Help pioneer, Brad. See, it's what we're here. Absolutely. You are no kidding. Flume help pioneer. That sort. It doesn't have that bass drop that exactly. most of us think of. It's more subtle. And uh, in fact, a lot of the bands or, or acts that I was listening to, Glass Animals, uh, Seven Lions, Res, sort of have that more. And I didn't, you know, I haven't listened to their whole catalog, and so I don't even mean to pretend to be now an expert on it. But I was surprised at the at where EDM is now versus five, six years ago when I first started hearing it. Of course. And, you know, Brad, I, I think a, a way to, 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 to comprehend it better. And, you know, if, if future base isn't really digesting is consider it like mid tempo, right? So there's a, there's a big, there's a big moment right now where a lot of, a lot of these mid tempo acts that um, like res or like a Gestaffelstein, um, are are making incredible music and they have their own ravenous fan base and it's it's not about you know the quote unquote drop um, or the huge build up um, it's it's a it's a gradual build throughout the show and it's it's more about a groove um, which you know I think 
makes these acts really perfect for the Bonnaroo setting because Bonnaroo for 19 years now has always been about, you know, setting the groove. So, um, okay. So, so, and this is me being stupid, but uh, you're going to have to help me determine what the difference is between EDM and say house music. Sure. So right now there's a, or not right now, but in the last decade, there's a term that, that, that the media likes to use that, that has some, stirs up some negative connotation or, or, or stigmatizes electronic music. And that term is EDM. Um, house music has been around since the eighties, you know, I mean, it's from, from Detroit in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, but, but, but that I mean, is even L city uh, sound system would classify themselves as a house music band. Sometimes I think that they have house music influences, sure. right. But, but at the end of the day, they're a rock band, right? Yeah. I mean, well, you got like 11 people on stage. I can't right, right. imagine. I mean, James Murphy has a great has a great side DJ business. Like it's like he puts on a hell of a DJ set, and it's ninety nine percent house music, um, and it's a lot of fun. Um, but you know, uh, there is a going back to what you were asking. I mean, EDM is kind of a catch all, right? It's like it's like saying rock music, but there's a lot of different kind of rock music, right? Yeah, that's um, a good point. So, um, but yeah, so, so there, you know, between, between future bass and deep house and dubstep and trap music and techno, you know, there's, there's so many little avenues or, or little carve outs, um, that, that people tend to identify with more than others. Um, you know, so, so the EDM term is kind of a, is, is a, is a catch all, right. Sure. And, and you hear that term and it, and it conjures up certain images in your head, right? Um, um, yeah, and frankly, so, me saying it just makes me feel like a dad. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily feel comfortable even saying it because I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, next, you'll be saying things like hip. Yeah, these kids, <laughs> these, these kids, kids are in are, their hip, their hip, hip bass that's music. Right, that's right. As soon as you say it, it's done. <laughs> so when you but, when you go to when you go to have a when you go to have a, a headliner for insert night here on on the other on the other. Now tent, right? So you have. Um, it's you, not a tent. It's the, yeah. It's it's a full blown outdoor stage. Sure. Now. Yeah. So yeah. So you go from you go from you know a a, a tempo that is a, you know a little bit more light in the in the midday. It gets it starts to build a groove, build a groove, build a groove, and then the big uh, you know the big blowout at the end of the night. At what point do you get like a headliner and you say you know what this is going to work better on the what? This is just too big, or the witch, or somewhere else in the festival. Well, trust me, that happens, you know, frequently. Um, um, it's tough when you're talking to to acts, specific acts that are worth, you know, twenty, thirty thousand tickets in the region, right? Like they don't want to play something that is that is called the dance stage, right? I mean that that's kind of it's kind of pigeonholing and it's, it's, it's not marginalizing, but it's, 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 it's kind of putting them in a box. Right. Um, and they want to be where, where the other guys that are selling big tickets in, in the region are playing. And typically that's the, what, I mean, look, we've gotten really lucky over at the other stage over the years. Like our first year we had marshmallow headlining, which mm-hmm. now marshmallow is one of the biggest acts in the world. Right. Um, you know, um, but Bass Nectar, you know, he couldn't come and play for over over there at the other stage because it's just too big. His show is too big. 
you know, there'd be 40,000 people over there and it would be absolute, you know, bedlam over there. Um, so really we're trying to, to program an experience over there that is just right for that space that, that takes into account what's going on around us, that takes into account, um, um, you know, being in a little nook over there and we've got the Oasis right next to us. So, so we're programming stuff in our area over there that, that really helps create our own little identity within Cineru, right? So it would be nice to get, you know, uh, an act, I guess, you know, something along the sides of Base Nectar over there. But at the same time, we're a little different over there. And it's kind of an area for people that, that want to um, keep that little area special, right? So it's 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 really a, a unique experience within an experience. That leads to my question and from your research and from your intent do you think or expect people to stay there all day or do you well it's happened well the the last few years we've absolutely had some people that stay from three till three right um this year will be really hard to curate going back to what you were talking about i mean you can't it is a human being can't be base nectar (laughs) 20 hours a day your head would explode yeah that'd be like that would be like if i just sat there and listened to the war and treaty for 12 hours i I don't have tears left i don't (laughs) i cry no more (laughs) i can't snap my head anymore yeah i mean even like a a base nectar those guys have to curate their own shows you know they don't come out and for the most part do 90 minutes of just bass drop so no that's got to be I mean, bass necker's a rare bird right i mean he's got he's got the music he's got the show yeah and look he's one of the few guys in the in the electronic space that 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 there's actually a message at the show right right and that's um, the part of what he, i like girl talk as well it's it's not right. just stringing together clip after clip you know in a right clip. and it's not just about lights and it's not just about right, laser right. and production like there's actually a message you know you know, being, being put in front of you. Right. And what you choose to do with that message is, is that to do, but, but, you know, I and, love Bass Nectar I, very I, much. I do, I do too. I, and I have to, I tell this story all the time when he was there, what, six, seven, eight years ago, the guy that was camping next to me was a musician. And when Bass Nectar stopped, he came running back to the camping area in near tears, calling his girlfriend to please come get him because his heart was going to explode. <laughs> How's he doing today? I don't How's know what kind, of, what kind of self-medication he was also doing, but he was literally, my heart is going to explode. <laughs> that me- that message you, got, got into that him. Effect. I, I'm sorry. Sure. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Bobby, but I always have to tell that because it was so funny. <laughs> how, how in the world did you get into EDM? Or EDM, I did it again. How did you get into electronic music <laughs> to begin with? What was the artist? Well, what was the one that, that turned it for you? Well, it's funny. My family owned the only um, techno and hip-hop record store in Dallas for a number of years. And growing up in Dallas, um, I worked at that store in the summer and I became, um, you know, s- s- very familiar with a lot of a lot of techno acts. And my, my cousin was a DJ. And, like, like who? And, give me give me somebody that you were listening to then. Oh, gosh, this was 1996. Yeah. Um, Kevin Sutherland from Detroit. I was so long ago. Um, uh, Hive, you know, there's a lot of guys that that aren't around. A guy named at the time Eric Entity, who is from Dallas, who who turned out, um, or who ended up being one of the biggest and still is one of the biggest techno DJs in the world. He goes by Maceo Plex. 
um, but he worked in our in our family's record store. So I was always I was always surrounded with it, which is very funny because our family is very old Texas kind of, you know, country people. But but for some reason, techno was always kind of a part of our family. It's very interesting. Uh, the, reason, um, the reason I ask is because if, if you're if you're somebody that really is into it, you had your own record store. That's unbelievable. In 1996, it was that big of a deal that people were going to buy, you know, it on vinyl uh, and it was sustaining a business, which is I mean, that's pretty impressive. But it's never been something that, you know, I usually put on while I'm making a pasta or some bedtime <laughs> or bath time music, honey. It's great. I can't well, wait. I can't wait to romance you tonight. It's, it's good for doing the dishes and vacuuming. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> just seems like such a strange thing, just to like stumble upon without having like a, a moment that that I you can remember. I mean, look, I I tie everything. I've been reading this book from Bob Boylan. It's 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 an older book, and it's the song that changed your life, right? So they ask all these other artists, like, what's the song that changed you and made you the artist that you're today? And I guess that even goes for people like us who are really into this. Sure. I mean, the one that got me is "Dreams to Remember" by Otis Redding. It's the greatest piece of art I've ever oh. listened to in my life, and it's the Bring reason why tears I, every time. Yeah, it's the reason why I'm a soul music fan. It's the reason why I sure. like the Alabama Shakes. It's the reason why I like everything that I like today. It all starts from I've got. Dreams to Remember by Otis Redding, and I, I got him not knowing the catalogs of, oh, say, any of these uh, electronic acts, I got to imagine you had something that probably flipped a switch on in well, you at some point. Not really at that age. You know, at, at that age, it's all osmosis, uh. um, right? So, like, you're carrying crates of records for your cousin. You are you know, kind of sitting Indian style on the floor while he's making mixtapes in the back room, you know, you just kind of get kind of get engulfed with the feeling and, and the overall excitement around the music. And it wasn't until 2003 when, you know, my love for electronic music kind of was, was rediscovered. And that was um, very much with, with early, early bass nectar and um, sound tribe sector nine. And then from there, um, it just kind of skyrocketed. And um, so between 1996 and 97, I took a, uh, a hiatus from it. You know, you're in high school, you're moving around, you, you know, you, you kind of latch on to different, different, um, different things. But, but yeah, around 18 is when it kind of came back into my life. And, and then 20 is when it became something of a career when I started throwing shows in Austin and Dallas and, um, Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Who, who drove the train to get uh, electronic music at this level at Bonnaroo? Was it AC, Superfly, C3, you guys? I mean, who who was the first? I think to it raise was everybody. Yeah? I think it was everybody. I think it was. I think everyone just kind of realized that 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 there is a a real um, need for it on the farm, you know. And I mean, look, let's be very honest. Electronic music now is is preaching a lot of the same is or, or, or carries a lot of the same ethos and and belief structures that that kind of brought Bonnaroo together all those years ago 19 years ago i mean at the core electronic music is really just about 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 unity and love and 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 community um and that's that's all that 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 Bonnaroo was founded on right so it's it's just a different generation telling the same story. It may sound different, it may look different, but the core values are still there. So so having a having a stage dedicated to it and servicing these 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 fans that we want to introduce Bonnaroo to, it was only it was only natural and no one really had to think twice about it. And 
now I feel like we're finally at our groove over there and, and we're programming it how how we like it best and we're making improvements and you know I'm really excited for this year oh more with Sophie and Bobby from C3 who curate your Bonner experience here in a second first off thank you to Bill Ryan Matthewson Sean McCarthy William Whitholt Parker Reed Meredith Rittman William Richards, Ross McNamara, Evan Brown, Aaron Carlson, Timothy Proctor, uh, some of our Patreons that we appreciate uh, their support. This is um, pretty fascinating because, you know, I can find certain things that, uh, you know, I can talk to pretty much anybody about. I just like hearing how you get into it. I like hearing how you just get started and what spins you around and gets you thinking and turns you into a, you know, a different consumer. I would not have not have guessed that there is an electronics dance music Boy, store me neither. in Dallas. I did not <laughs> see that coming. <laughs> Much less that I would ever talk to somebody whose family owned it. Owned it, it yeah. <laughs> I really, really did want to ask him, usually is that business still open? Usually it's, uh, yeah, we have that in the back behind sure. the Willie Nelson albums. It's tucked yeah. in there. But would you like to buy some tires first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have a whole store. Of just Very, I did not see that coming, and I and I... Don't want to, you know, behoove anybody from opening a business, but in the mid '90s, opening a techno and dance record store. Yeah, I, I, I don't Yeesh. mean to belittle at all. I, I mean just, neither. I would I'm have just, never guessed. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm not just surprised. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I didn't think of it. It's a <laughs> phenomenal idea. I yeah. want This is what I want to do. I want to open up a restaurant that does nothing but chips and dip. Yeah. It, different types of dip. Different types of chips. I w- make a chip and dip restaurant. If if a techno and electronic record store can work, my chip and dip restaurant can work. I like it, but are you going to open more than one day a week or a year? Just Super Bowl? Just Super Bowl College day. Bowl? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, more Patreons. Uh, Melanie and Jesse Feldman, Haley, Nick Eatman, Lauren Edholm, Joshua Herndon, Brooke Tussie, David Solano, David Henson. Uh, recapping here in a second, but more with Sophie and Bobby from C3 now. It makes sense now, you know, looking back, but it seemed to us anyway as 15, 16-year veterans that it was a bold move. You know, you had the year where the numbers were not good and then you guys come back with electronic music and shift that around and, you know, the numbers go back up and it's it seems like its own thing and everybody, not everybody, a certain segment love it and it fit. it does fit in with the with the festival and i'm glad to hear you say that about it has the same sort of thing as rock and roll because one of the guys who's even a little bit older than me you know doesn't get it he was like i don't guy does it have a beginning a middle and an end and what is it you know and, <laughs> and i said look it's just kids you know trying to do the same thing you were in the 60s and 70s and your parents absolutely hate it. your parents hate it which makes it even more appealing and he was like okay i i get that you know and look, I'm telling you, it's this community is no different. They look out for each other, they care about each other, they preach love. Um, you know, they it's 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 a community that I'm proud to represent to the best of my ability. So yeah. I'm, I'm I'm very I'm very pleased with where we are with with electronic music at Bonnaroo, and I think it's only going to get better. I want to I want to get Sophie back. I'm going to tell another quick funny story. That same guy though, we were as we were standing there watching. I don't even know who it was at two in the morning just to to check it out, seeing the kids in their rabbit costumes and they're dancing and having a great. And they kept looking over their shoulder at us, 
And for, for a brief minute, I thought, wow, they think we're cool. And then I thought, no, they think we're narcs. <laughs> it wasn't a thought. No, no, no. They weren't thinking. It was That's exactly fun. what it they was, knew. It was fun to they watch. Were, they were right. You were a narc. You were looking, you were trying to, you were digging through their pockets. So, Sophie, going back to what I, I said earlier, uh, and I'm, I'm in it, I really think I mean, when Brad and I started doing this podcast, the reason was we looked at that lineup three years ago and didn't know 70% of the acts and thought maybe other people are the same. And it's become a whole thing. We've done, I mean, almost year-round with the podcast. And the experiences in the plazas and the electronic dance music are two of the biggest reasons. I mean, it's interesting to hear you say it took them a long time to come around finally to dealing with the camping. Um, but I think that's been a huge shift well, forward. What what took them so long? Did they need the infrastructure first? Did they need yeah. the showers and the bathrooms to, to to be on site first? And what what was it? What was the catalyst? It's um, it was a little of everything. It was you know they it's a it's you're building a world out there, right? So it adds a huge expense onto the festival budget because you know you're you're supplying power and tents and infrastructure and it's just so get i think getting their heads around that when the festival had you know sold out for so many years just based on the lineup um i think was just one thing to get their heads around but i think it was just you know just adapting with the times it's just now when you go to a festival even just a city festival you know there is so much so much more going on than just your just the bands on the stages uh, like it used to be and i think it's just kind of understanding that and adapting with the times and knowing that we kind of have to provide this 360 experience for the fans if we kind of really want to keep up with the market um and so i think it was just figuring out how best to do that and how we do that within budget which took a while um, and that's kind of where the plaza well, concept well speaking of speaking of the budget when when mm-hmm. you go to have the budget does that come from somewhere else or is it just a brand new budget that's created for the plazas like for instance you you'll get a lot of people um, the skeptics or the, the the questioners asking, "Am I losing a headliner to make the, the the plaza experiences better? Are they taking you know something and from one budget and giving it to you for the plazas, or is it a completely different entity?" Uh, no, we're not losing. We're not losing anything by by this kind of new world being created. The entire purpose of it was to kind of create a new experience and a, an addition to what's already on site at the festival. And so this is just kind of a new concept and um, a new way of programming. And the, the the entire idea is to not kind of take away from the fans' experiences to add to it. And you said that it's happening overseas and in, in British festivals or England I, I can't I can't remember exactly yeah. what you said is there that there's no one in in the US in the states doing this kind of plaza experience in their camping festival are they no there's there's no one in the US it's just a different history right like European festivals historically um, because of location and just kind of what they used to have notoriously been camping festivals is kind of what they've done for the last 50 years in terms of their location and site there's actually very few city festivals over there um and so they've just been doing it a lot longer um and so you know you have festivals like glastonbury for example and festival and dial of white where the sites are so huge that's kind of what they've been doing but no one's doing the plaza concept per se but everyone is kind of doing a different take on providing you, you know, know different experiential programming you fans. just you just gave me a th- what are the main differences between say a glastonbury or and a, 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 a festival overseas as to you know versus main festivals here in in the states what are the main differences between the two 
Um, I mean, that's a, that's a really big question, right? Because yeah. they all well, it just hit me. I was like, oh, oh my god, that's right. There's <laughs> there's thousands of other music festivals. I wonder, like, I I didn't even it didn't even occur to me that most English festivals were were camping festivals until you literally just said it. Well, just mm-hmm. to jump, just to jump. I in. mean, they're all um they're they're all kind of uniquely different in their own way. You know, so, they're the same way that we have. Some of them, are, you know, EDM leaning. Some of them hip hop leaning. Some of them multi genre, like sure. Bonnaroo. Um, Glastonbury, as an example, I would say sonically is very similar to Bonnaroo in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, it's a huge tier one multi-genre festival. Um, it has some very large stages, it has some very small stages. Um, their site is ginormous, and so they kind of do a lot of different things. Um, I would also say that audience is a little older leaning, um, and so they, they kind of can do a lot more, uh, what is the word I'm looking for, risky <laughs> things in terms of some of their programming. Um but the, but they're but they're similar in lots of ways and they're different in lots of ways. It's just a different um, demographic and you know different locations. So you're kind of tailoring to a different audience. That was one of the questions I had for Ashley Caps probably about year three or four was who he modeled um, Bonnaroo after and and I you just said, I said it like it. I'm, I'm just like Ashley it. said I'm Bonnaroo Bonnaroo. <laughs> we had this discussion last episode how to say it, um, but. Because I was impressed with the organization of it. I always sort of figured Disney was somewhat of a model because Disney is very well organized in the, the Masters Golf Tournament. Never miss a touch. Yeah, Never miss a detail. beautiful what they do. But he said, no, it was the European festivals, like Glastonbury in particular, uh, that they were modeling after. So, Sophie, same sort of question for you that I asked Bobby about the EDM crowd uh, yeah, we, we have marveled and said for many, many years that there was no reason for us to go out into general camping. Um, we had we nicknamed it uh, very unfortunately years ago the Savages. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was pretty rough in but, Gen Pop out there, but now I'm very jealous as their campsites yeah. because there's better than mine. Yeah, and, and the work you've been doing, um, we're like wow, that's uh, I could almost see never really leaving. I know, you know, just That's staying right. there and and checking <laughs> things out. So, especially if you all of a sudden get a you know a Cage the Elephant secret show popping up every now and then, yeah, why would you? Yeah, is that something? Do you do you find that there are people now that are doing that, Sophie? That they they're just sort of uh, we're hearing from a lot more people who who say you know the lineup isn't really that important. I go for my friends and the camping and the whole uh, community experience and and what you have done out there in particular is a big part of that. Does it does it feel like it's shifting how people spend their day quite a bit? I think I think it totally is. I mean, last year, um, as an example, you know, we definitely had our, I would say our program was kind of 110 percent more, you know, at at a, at a full capacity than it was the year before. Um, you know, we shut down for the headliners in the same way that the that Senaru does um, out of respect and also because we know that's where everyone you know wants to be. But I think. There's just a lot more to do, right? Like we have Where in the Woods that kind of ran really late, really late last year and kind of took over for that sunrise programming. And it was the first time that we've kind of ever had that. So um, I think, yeah, I think I think there's definitely a lot more to do and a lot of more individual experiences. So fans are kind of realizing that and tailoring their schedule accordingly. So speaking of Where in the Woods, uh, what's different about Where in the Woods this year? Hmm. You'll have to see. We're not announcing any well, of that. See, that's what I'm, that's where I was going with this because <laughs> are you are you set by now or are you still tinkering with with programming? Um, oh no, we're still we're still we still have a, a long way to go. We uh, the schedule is normally announced at, around April, 
Um, and so that's kind of where you'll see the big schedule lineup. But we have a couple of where in the woods announces. Okay, well, t- well, t- well, walk me through that process of how you put together um, the the festival, the, the 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 campground experiences, the plaza experiences. Do you wait till the lineup is pretty much set with the booking department, um, or are you? Uh, d- is there one thing that you start with? Is there some things that you try to get out? Uh, in front of do you try to get done with a few things so that you know you you can uh, finish up at the last minute what I, I just i don't even know where to start how to eat this elephant totally i mean it's all um excuse my language a shit show work in progress <laughs> there isn't there isn't a specific you know it's not like i would i wish i could say that i start at the beginning of the year and that you know obviously we we work alongside the booking team and i wish that i could kind of say that that's as straightforward as it goes obviously as artists go they you know they sometimes they want to confirm in january sometimes they want to confirm the day before the festival and so it's kind of making sure that we have enough around it so that we're not relying fully on that um but it's a little bit it's a bit it's a little bit of both sorry that's not a great answer to the question it's kind of it kind of just flows and we pick deadlines for each area and then i kind of just go for it and a lot of the time we'll with the help of bobby we'll kind of announce surprise performances it, it, it sounds on, like which, you have 200 balls in the air at yeah. one time i was gonna say it yeah. sounds a little bit like the answer we got from those guys uh, three weeks ago about how they booked the super jams you know they yeah. have an idea in mind this person or these people might be good but then somebody else who's on the lineup or who did it years before or the year before says i'd like to be involved in that um, yeah and so that's that's while you were saying all that i was thinking about what steve green told us that he hears a band and pictures automatically what stage what time of day yeah. and which day which yeah sounds like you don't have that luxury yeah, that's. I mean, that's. It's pretty much like that. You know, we have the same for Bobby. But we have, you know, a schedule which is a little crazy. It's almost four and a half days to to kind of program, and it's a lot of chicken and egg of trying to figure out, you know, who's ready to confirm and then who isn't, and also like where you'd like to have things when. So it's definitely. Is there a, is there a plaza right now that doesn't even have a concept? No. Okay. No. So, so at least conceptually, so that's something that 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 you can you can check off the list, right? So if you if you do a checklist and you've got all these boxes, you can at least check. Well, I've got that concept down. Now do I? I got to figure out what makes sense in this concept, right? Yeah. When are the concepts yeah. of the of the campgrounds set in stone? When have you figured out what you want it to look like? Um, probably. I mean, we try and have them figured out before before the lineup announces. Like, as as everyone's booking, that's when we'll kind of try and figure out because we'll know how, like, you know, which artists want to be involved and stuff. So I would say probably, you know, by December, I'll have the um, producers and each plaza figured out in terms of theme. And how many and then, people? And how many people do you have working each plaza as like producers and 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 designers, etc. Um. So we had, like, just as a statistic, I think last year we had 730 people out in the campgrounds in terms of <laughs> just for the plazas. And that's just staffing. That's not that's not wow. fans. Yeah. yeah. What was the number so you were like going to guess? I was going to say five yeah. or six. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say five or six. <laughs> as, a guy, as a guy as a staff of, like, three or four radio stations, no, yeah, I was going to wow. say five or six. Yeah, that is unbelievable. So, okay, so by, by the time the lineup drops, you've got conceptually what you want to do. And and I'm guessing, and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but inside the contracts of some of the artists, you can say, well, they're willing to do something. We just need to figure out what it is later. Or are they already correct. saying, no, we want to do specific things at a specific specific time 
it's complete. It's completely both. Okay. Um, not necessarily with time schedule that we, you know, they normally kind of let me figure that out. But a lot of them come in with ideas that they have. Um, a lot of them come in programming, like you know, House of Yes is kind of self-sufficient. They kind of come in and program the entire thing themselves, which is glorious. Um, and then a lot of the time, it's kind of a, again, it's like a chicken and egg of, you know, they want certain artists to play or they have a concept in mind, and then I kind of go out and try and figure out if I can make that happen. And do you have like a mission statement where you basically say the weirder the better? I bet there's like there's no rules for what you have available to you. Um yes and no. It just it kinda just depends on the area and what we're trying to do there. Uh, okay. Um right. so yeah, sorry, there's no straight answer for that. But I, there's some areas, right? Like, you know, Haley Williams is supposed to be about love and wellness and mental health. You know, there's obviously guidelines alongside that. House of Yes uh wild and crazy and so there's you know they're a little more open it just kind of depends on each one how many people do you have right now just batting around ideas for each like what's your staff like what is what does your group look like when you go to have a meeting or a conference call how many people are you talking to about curating in in each individual experience so it's a great in terms of my it's a it's a in terms of my internal team as in just on the, the plaza team um i have two two others that kind of help me manage everything um and then oh, sorry i'm just gonna put this on and then in terms of you know the bigger c3 team i mean bob i have no idea 50 of us from c3 yeah that <laughs> sounds about right yeah Maybe what five or six Interesting. Mm-hmm. Nice. That is fascinating. I mean, because you have to like this is what's so crazy about this is like we get so lost in in worrying about the details of a lineup or details of a, of of the user experience inside the festival. It sounds to me like you want to I hope to maybe I'm assuming a little bit too much. They have gotten to a point, you know, Steve and Brian have gotten to a point where um they know how this is all going to essentially go. They've been doing it for so long that the the setup is a, is is pretty much baked into the cake at this point you sound as if it's still such a baby and it's still such a a a fledgling operation and a growing operation that you you still don't have a structure around it i'm wondering is like do you see when you look five years down the road do you see a much better structure or do you foresee it sort of still operating like this I mean, it's, I think it's already a great structure. You know, it's kind of what we're used to. The entire uh, nature of our business is kind of, you know, going with the flow to an extent and, to, you know, taking the punches as they come and coming up with ideas and seeing how we can execute them. So it's it's just, it's just a structure that's innate to our business because we have to just kind of be ready for changes and for things to happen that are either out of our control or stuff that we're trying to produce. Yeah. I think it's fascinating to hear from you guys confirm exactly what Steve and Brian and Ted said how important all that communication between all the different departments are, um, how, you know, the ticket or the uh, lineup for the main, the what stage has to match somewhat the other. And right. The, the whole thing is curated to blend. Right. I, I, I just don't think people who haven't seen it or can't see it from, you know, sort of the hundred mile view sure. can, can figure out how that works. I mean, it's huge. At ninety to hundred acts, eighty thousand people on the farm. A lot. Of, that's a lot of moving parts. No kidding. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, and and you can you can answer this for me, Bobby. Uh, clarify for me how you say the stage that no longer exists at Bonnaroo. I'm not saying it. I'm not going to say it. But it it exists right there where the 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 comedy tent used to be. Oh. 
Yeah, starts with a K. Calliope. Calliope. Boy. Okay. <laughs> so is. this is what's this is what's frustrating about this is I hear all of you say this, but if you go to New Orleans, if you go to New Orleans, none of them say Calliope. They say Calliope. What do they know? <laughs> so I fight everybody at camp about this every year. It, Calliope is not how they say it down there, and I think that it's born from from the the Creole language. Is it not? I believe it is, and I've heard it Calliope, Calliope, Calliope. I mean, I've heard just about every iteration of it too. Okay, I I go with Manford Man. And is it is it is (laughs) is it for sure not returning this year? Yeah, from what we understand, um, you know. I think it's still up in the air a little bit. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really fun experience. Um, you know, if it does not return, I'm make no mistake. Bonnaroo will be, uh, providing an experience of equal or greater value. So while I can't speak to the, to the finality of its return or not, um, you know, I can say that it's, 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 it's a wonderful experience hanging, you know, with all the Calliope guys and, for the fans being out there till six in the morning while that thing is shooting fire and right, um, but that's not something know, that you actually you actually booked. That was another company that did that, right? Well, we booked it the last few years. Oh, okay. We booked it in tandem with the other stage. So, so we'd work closely with the guys at Walter and um, and kind of let them know, hey, this guy wants to stick around a little bit later. Let's see if he can come and play for you guys. This guy is 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 flying out at eight in the morning so he wants to dj until the sun come up which was very much the case with cascade a number of years ago hmm. um you know cascade is a is a massive name internationally right and and he just wanted to play all the songs that he can't typically play in his set you know songs he hasn't played in 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 15 years or so and he he said i'll, I'll play as long as you let me you know wow. which is which is pretty rare these days That's he wanted to cool. play while the sun was coming up he wanted to um, you know, to to not announce it. He wanted to keep it very special. And, you know, there's been a lot of memorable, um, iconic moments, rather, between, you know, Bonnaroo and Calliope. Let's let's get into the lineup a little bit. Who are the acts uh, that you're especially looking forward to see over there on the, the other? Um, you know, I got to say, I really love this, this, this year's lineup, you know, as I have in years past, but I think this year's lineup in particular kind of speaks a bit more to my tastes. Um, you know, on Thursday night, I, I absolutely love Dabin, um, who also happens to be the guitar player in Illinium's band. Um, and I, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Illinium, but he's had a, an absolute massive last year playing arenas. And I think he just did over 35,000 tickets in San Francisco. Um, and his guitar player has, has an, has an epic project called Davin. Um, and it's really beautiful melodic music. Uh, that's on Thursday night closing out or closing, um, the other stage. Um, really looking forward to Tipper. Um, you know, Tipper's on Friday. And I tell you what, Tipper has a very unique history. Tipper, um, has been a DJ for, you know, 25 years and, and a lot of people, including bass nectar, you know, um, have, have, have gained some influence from him over the, over the years. And, you know, he makes really out there, super psychedelic music. And it's, it's, it's some of, it's one of the best shows out there. I mean, they take great, great pride in their, in their visual presentation. And, you know, they spend a lot of time on the audio. They want the audio to be just right. Um, 
you know, they're, they're very particular about their show and it, it really shows, um, hmm. subtronics were really excited about res. We're really excited about, um, it's just, it, you know, peekaboo. It, it's just going to be a really great, great year over there. And, um, I think it's going to be a blast and I hope to see you guys over there. Yeah. I mean, you guys look, it's the other, the other fits a very important part of the landscape, right? Uh, and so does electronic music because it is damn near everywhere. It's represented so many places around the country and so many other festivals. Do you sometimes do, and I ask the same thing of, you know, the, the AC guys, do you sometimes see what other festivals are doing especially with the electronic music and try and not do that specifically or are you know other festivals doing it in a way that that you want to get to or what do you how do you see the landscape when you look at all the other festivals and and how much electronic music is actually out there well it's hard because you don't want every show to look the same right so you kind of have to to find what makes your show a unique and special and and program around that and try to shine a light on that so the way that i book the electronic stage at at bonnaroo is not necessarily the same way i book it in chicago for Lollapalooza, um or the same way that the same way that we would book the electronic music at voodoo in new orleans mm-hmm. um you know I, I try to look at each show in a vacuum and i try to treat each show like no other show matters right um and and try to you know, for Bonnaroo, for example, like I want to be programming acts that have a fan base that will want to party until four or five in the morning. You know, um, I want to program acts that that, you know, kind of play into the nature um, and and the geography of 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 East Tennessee. You know, like I want to be curating it as much as I possibly can with with keeping every detail of the show in mind, you know, and. Um, Interesting. So, so, so if that's if that's a thought for Bonnaroo, what is your thought when you make Perry's uh, when you do Perry's stage in Lollapalooza? Well, Perry's, you know, it's it, it's a it's it's a non-camping show. It's in an urban setting. Um, you know, it's in the Midwest. Uh, so I I program that show probably um, a little bit different. Like I, you know, I probably couldn't get away with a tipper in Chicago, right? right. I mean, just because bon- uh, uh, Lollapalooza is is a bit more of a commercial show. Um, and you know, Tipper wouldn't resonate with, with the Lollapalooza audience as much as he would the Bonnaroo audience, you know? Um, uh, I probably, you know, lean more to booking more commercially friendly DJs than I would, um, at Bonnaroo. Does, does any of the production ever come into play? Because the, the, look, uh, shout out to my boy, Justin Casey, who is one of the damn near the best visual guys on the planet. Um, he does the visuals and, and the staging for the for the Perry stage. And to me, I, it's visually one of the best experiences that you have at Lollapalooza. Well, I tell you what, Grant Park is is one of the most gorgeous festival sites or parks rather in the world, you know. So, I mean, we have an epic canvas to do no what we kidding. do over yeah. there in, in, in the baseball field. You know, like you look to your right and. And there is the skyline. You look to your left and and there's water, you know. I mean, we really have it lucky in Chicago. It's a it's a gorgeous site and 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 Perry's has its its nice little nice little area over there where we're able to kind of um kind of do what we want and, and present just a, a really outrageous experience with with as much video, lights and audio as we possibly can. Yeah, but it doesn't change the way that you book it. 
are you asking if 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 the location of the festival plays into a part of, of how I book? Uh, the production costs, essentially. Like, does, does oh, production ever... Oh, does it really? I mean, look, we want to be programming uh, with or working with acts that have a show, you know? Um, and some acts, it's probably a little bit early to, to, to be booking them on, on a stage like that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we've done a great job of, of putting young acts on a very big platform in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we just let everyone know ahead of time, like, this is this is what you're performing on. Come come with your best, you know, because mm-hmm. these these fans expect it because that's that's what Lollapalooza is known for is 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 being a hell of a show and, and we want to hold everyone to that same standard. Is that the same deal with Bonnaroo, the the production level? You know, it's a little bit different. Bonnaroo it being only a third year stage, right? I mean, we're we're still excuse me, fellas. <clears throat> we're still growing into our space over there and and trying to to find what makes us special over there, you know? So so we're we're actually in the midst of, of making a few production changes for 2020 um, and even discussing some, some, some new and exciting things for the, for the 20th next year. Um, but yeah, we're, we're actively, um, you know, considering what is in the, is in the, uh, in the canon for this year, if you will, yeah. uh, whenever we're programming the show. Does, the ability to have an act play at four in the morning, five in the morning on the farm, um, does is it easier or harder? Uh, does it make it easier? It's, other, other, just a finite number of acts. Seems who can to pull me that like the, it seems to me like they already know that that's what their life is anyway. It sounds to me like that's when they <laughs> usually when they play. Up. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, look, I, I think it's, it, I think it's, it, it depends on the act, right? For some, they want to to be that guy that that is owning the moment at 4 a.m. And then you've got some guys that are like, you know, like I want to end at 11 or 12 and that's just fine too. Um, Yeah. You know, so um, really this year we're kind of, you know, uh, working with guys that, that are kind of on the come up right now. So those guys want to get out there and they want to play the late night sets and they want to make that connection with their fans because they want people leaving the show saying, Oh my God, did you see so and so at four o'clock? That was one of the best experiences I've ever had, um, because you know the nighttime is so important to the other stage. You know, mm-hmm. I mean that's when our production can really shine, um, and um, it's that's kind of when that's kind of when the memories are made for right. you know for for Bonnaroo is when the sun goes down. Well, I just have one final question. I man, I appreciate your time. It's been uh, phenomenal. Thank you so much. Do you? Um, do you have any inclination as to uh, any electronic music being on the what or which stage at all this year? You know, there may be something, um, but nothing that I can speak to um, at this time. Yeah, um, I, because I, the, I, think I understand that I understand the trepidation. The reason I ask is when when you have an electronic artist, say you know a Res, and you really want to put them on you know late night witch, you know, um, is that something that they're asking you to go do and book, or is it something that they're taking on because it's you know not the other? Well. If it's if typically if it's outside of the other stage, we're having a conversation and I, and I know what's going on. But 
but that's that's Brian and Steve. Brian and Steve run with all the other stages, and I'm overseeing the other. But if it is electronic music, we are in strategy together. It's not just a a, uh, a hey, we're going to put this over here. Let us and just let us know what you want to do over there. It's more about well, what can we do to to complete the story of this day? If we put this if we put this DJ over here. Can we can we stagger this one over here to where fans can come back to the other stage and finish their night over there? Um, so you know, um, in the situation where there is an electronic act that 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 should go, like maybe it's a full band, maybe this act has you know a drummer and and it is a four or five piece band, you know they would go over to to the witch. But but for for traditional DJ setups, I'll say um, we're trying to to um, to uh, present that the best we can to these acts because, you know, we have all the video, all the lighting, um, and it's a real party over there. Um, so, um, yeah. I should have asked you earlier, do you stay just there or do you go to other st- other shows? You know, this is a joke because I get, I get, I get poked about this just about every year. Like, you know, I've been working Perry stage at Lollapalooza for, coming up on nine years and i'll tell you what i've never seen a show at Lollapalooza outside of the other stage or outside of perry's um i never leave if it's my stage i've never i never leave i i only left i've I've only left the other stage at bonnaroo once since we've come on board and that was to see bass nectar Um, (laughs) wow well i mean with all you're saying it does sound uh, very likely that uh, somebody like Flume would be playing after Lizzo on maybe the What or the Witch. Would that be right to assume? Maybe that that would be a fair assumption. Okay, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Based on everything that I mean, it makes so much sense what, what you're saying. And again, I can't say enough about the uh, thank you for your time. This has been uh, fascinating because I've had to dive into something that I don't really understand, but it's something I love so much and the nerd part of it. Yep. Uh, even that you. you Nerd happens all over the festival. It doesn't. It's not just Absolutely. with. Uh, That's right. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what, fellas. I, I went to the first two Bonnaroo's when I was 17 years old. I drove up from 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 Central Florida with a buddy, and Bonnaroo absolutely changed my life in every single iota, um, in every single way possible. Um, so, so to okay. be on this call with you guys. <laughs> 20 years later talking about the festival and 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 my role in it is is very surreal it's very humbling it's surreal surreal. surreal. so how how many uh, how many did you get to in those uh, last 20 19 years i've i've only i went to the first two Mm -hmm. and then i've been going the last three years okay um wow what in the hell um, happened those 12 years in between oh man just (laughs) bad bad i wish i could give you a good answer but i don't have one (laughs) um bouncing around you know um just doing what I can, starting a business, joining up with C three, working all those festivals, and but I tell you what, I, I Bonnaroo will always be, uh, you know, always be my first love. So I'm very honored to have spent this time talking about it with you, and I can't wait for this year. It's going to awesome. be, it's yeah. going to be an incredible show. More patrons to thank: Skyler, Sean McCain, Phil Nye, Justin Negro, Andrew T McBride, and Mary T and Barry Quarter. I like oh, that wait, guy. no, that last guy was just uh, from the email. Oh, Sorry, I yeah. Like him, uh, I think that uh, a little bit of news, I mean, it's a fascinating conversation about uh, all of this, especially the plazas uh, and how they're just, they're not, they're not done. 
And I'm really surprised about that. I don't know what I expected, to be honest with you, but the fact that the plazas won't, e- like, their ideas won't even come to fruition or to be finalized for, I mean, damn near two more months is stunning to me. Yeah, and uh, you ask, Sophie, I think the idea of the weirder the better. I mean, that, that to me, that would be my opening line. I yeah. want you to think of something crazy stupid, and we'll make we'll try to make it work. Well, yeah. That's and the, what I would think. And the fact that her staff now is so little, and then on site her staff is so big, is <laughs> mind blowing to me. Yeah, those numbers. By crazy. the way, the other the other thing that uh, you know is probably going to you know fire a few people up. It's a safe assumption that Flume going to be on uh, the what after Lizzo. I think it's a big deal. And weren't you interested to hear that the idea that they had to start in an unknown place three years ago, and now they've sort of honed it on down um again part of that is because you and i are not electronic dance music experts so the idea of honing it down is one thing but they had to sort of throw it out there throw things at the wall and see what worked and didn't that is yes that the 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 first year and how they didn't know you have to understand like the first year of bonnaroo was exactly the same way yeah let's just see what we can do here and we'll make it work and and see if it works and they're doing that exact same thing in our in an already pre-established festival in a little nook and seeing what happens and it's been as successful as it is. Um, it's yeah, it's really, fa- it's really fascinating. And now that he's got even some structure in, in how he's building a groove and building right. um, a sound that then uh, billows by the end of the night was re- extremely fascinating. I would never have thought about that. That was interesting. And to hear her say that it probably took Bonnaroo a little longer than it should have to get to this idea of taking care of the campgrounds. But yeah. we've talked about that. And you ask, and, and I don't know that she is necessarily the one to answer because she's new to it, but, yeah, they had to take care of the other infrastructure right. first and those VIP experiences. Right. So, you know, it's not, an un, it's such not a, such a blank a, check. Such a such a arduous process. You have to own the farm. Yeah. Then you have to run water, uh, spend a ton of infrastructure costs, let get the city on board first and foremost. And nothing happens yeah. without the approval of you know some sort of Manchester City Council. Without the approval and the cooperation, for sure. Right. Right. And then you can put in a toilet. I mean, look at all the things that had to had go right just to have a toilet. I say it every Unbelievable. year, and, I, and it and and I just it kills me that I even talk about it. But they planted grass. I mean. Right. That's a big, big deal yeah. on that farm. I can't get grass in my, you know, backyard that's ten feet wide. How yeah. do they get grass like, the way that, that they do? Is insane. And that eighty thousand people are going to trample, trample on all it over in all it. sorts of weather for five days. So, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge undertaking, and, and and that's why I think you and I love it, and why we talk about it so much. Well, that's what you know, it gives us a lot to talk about. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, we'll talk to you next week on the What Podcast. Love you, bye. Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year? That matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.